0: Matthew chapter 12, there's 50 verses that we can all read 10, just kidding, we're going to kind of skip through the best we can to the chapter, I'll be... I'll, I'll mindful of the time, so make sure we time for prayer there, but I want to kind of um, hit on some things here of, of uh, I, guess, I guess if we can look at Matthew chapter 12, it's dealing with, with Christ's authority, um, that's, a good, that's a good subject theme for the entire chapter here, and we'll start with verses 1 through 8, Now, at that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were in hunger, and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. By the way, who is the one who is supposed to go around judging and upholding the law? Was it the Pharisees, the scribes, or was it really supposed to be the priests? Really, the ones spiritually that God gave to uphold the law were the priests. The Pharisees were, was a man-made office that took it upon themselves to like with legalism and with the with just over the top to go through and just choke everybody out with the Word of God, they had no balance, they had no mercy, you know they didn't have any mercy they didn't have any understanding of how to balance themselves they weren't perfect as far as mature they weren't mature handling the Word of God, and they handled it deceitfully, and Christ every time you see it christ would would exas- would, would 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 exasperate their 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 faults, their false doings, he told them what they were doing good. Hey, you tie it's good for you, but you omit the weightier measures. You know, you hey, you go, you go across the sea to find, make a proselyte, and make him twofold, twofold more the child of hell than you. It's not that you did wrong by going across the sea and sharing what you thought was your faith. The problem with it is you're making him twofold more the child of hell than you are. And the Pharisees were going around; they had a man-made office. And a man-made power and authority, and Christ constantly was in... They were constantly trying to hold Christ in check with this man-made power, this man-made authority. And uh, Christ had no part of it. Jesus never said, go to the Pharisees. Jesus had to go to the priests. That's the true spiritual leadership that was that was of that day. Or should have been. And verse number, verse number two, But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples... Do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for, their, only for, the, for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Hey, you know, even the priests break the law of God on the Sabbath, and you don't have a problem with that. It's almost like the media, and the Congress and Senate this past week. And I'm not going political on anything. I'm just saying that's how that's the same method. They're taking what the what what the media is saying. The media is taking what they're saying, and it's circular reasoning. And anybody with common sense could look back and say it's really not something we want to fight with this many days left in office. You're gonna provoke the, you're gonna provoke the overbearing tyrant. To going to martial law. That's what he's. That's what they're going to push towards. Martial law. If they don't pay attention, they're stupid. Pay attention to what's being said. But uh, I don't want to talk about politics. We keep on going in verse number, and verse number, um, verse number six. But I see unto you that in, that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. So you see in, this first, in these first eight verses, you see that you see Christ had an available use of authority. He had the authority to break the Sabbath. He had the authority, his disciples had the authority through Christ to go and eat corn on the Sabbath day. They had that authority because if, you know, if, if an if a ox, if a, you know, a donkey or ass falls into a ditch, do not pull it out, do not help them. If one of your, and he, Jesus says this later on, if one of your um, friends loses a sheep or loses his donkey, you don't, you're don't. telling me you don't go and help him? And you help him find it on the Sabbath day? You're telling me that you know the priests don't violate the Sabbath on the Sabbath day? Christ is saying, hey, there is, an, there is a available use that Christ had on the authority to do what seemed unscriptural to some while maintaining scriptural authority. He was able to maintain. He had the authority. All, all power is given unto him and in heaven and earth. And yet, you see that he's he's exercising this authority, and it was available to him. Jesus taught as one having uh, one having authority, and not as the scribes or the Pharisees, right? He had this authority, and he used it, and he had it was available to him. And by the way, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore. Who receives the power? Who has been given the power? All power is given unto you, right? All power is given unto us, but ye shall receive what? Power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. So who has the transferred power? The church, the believers. We have that, we have that power today to go and do as Christ would have us to do, to obey the Word of God without without fear of what man says. We have that, we have that available use of authority. We don't have to wait and get permission to exercise the authority that's been given. Mother, may I? Yes, I already gave them a permission. Everybody ever play that game, Mother, may I? It's annoying, right? So, Mother, may I take five steps? No, you made me take two steps. Then what has to happen? Mother, may I? Mother, may I already gave you that permission to take two steps? I told you to take two steps, and you're asking that permission again? It's because people don't want to use that power. But that's how we live in the Christian life. Lord, am I really supposed to do such and such? God has already given us that authority. When we go and ask anything in prayer, we know we have the petitions we ask of him because we ask in Christ's name in faith of nothing wavering. Right? No, obviously we got to read the word of God. You know, if we're not obeying the word of God, if we're not hearing the word of God, our prayers are vain. If we have sin in our heart, our prayers are vain, right? And if we ask in doubting, our prayer is in vain. But when we ask, when we're walking in the Lord and we ask him, with a surety, our prayer is not in vain, and we can take it to the bank that God hears our prayer. And he gives us the petitions we desired of him when we ask in his name and asking in his will. So number two, you start seeing in verse number 9 through 21, you see um, you see where there's an appropriate use of authority. Look at verse number 9. So he just goes out there picking corn, and people had a hard time with that. I mean, shucks. He was out there picking corn. Verse number 9 and when he was departed thence, he went into the he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal the Sabbath days? That they might that that they might accuse him. And he said unto them, So now the Pharisees are looking at this this man with a withered hand, and they're baiting Jesus. They're baiting him. They're setting it up and saying, Here's a lure. Let's see what you're really going to do. And they're asking him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? Verse number 11, he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it shall fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will you not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much more then is a man better than a sheep? Mutton. Verse number 12, wherefore it is lawful to to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like the other. Like, as the other. Then verse 14, then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, there's Congress, how they might destroy him. They're going out and they're trying to find a way to impeach Christ. They're trying to find a way to impeach the high king of heaven. And I'm not calling Trump Jesus. Don't, don't even draw that parallel. But here they are. They're trying to go out in their chambers. They're trying to take counsel of how they might destroy Christ. But then it says in verse, verse 15, but when Jesus knew it, he, he withdrew himself thence, And great multitudes followed him and healed them all. And he charged them that they should not make him known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So it's said in these in these verses, talking about with Christ, where he had this appropriate use of authority. He had the power to heal the Sabbath day. It wasn't work. He had this power to heal on the Sabbath day, and he did. It was available, and it was appropriate. Just because you have available power doesn't mean it's necessarily appropriate power. You know, how many, how many of you are supervisors or have been supervisors at work? You've got, you've got you know, managers, assistant manager. You've got authority, but it's not always the appropriate use of authority. And trying to find that balance. How many of you ever had a babysitter that just used their, uh, their, their authority wrongfully? You know what I'm talking about? That older sister, that older brother that was watching you, wasn't like babysitting you. They were just in charge. And boy, they use that authority like crazy. You know, they're the ones that make you go out there and scrub the, scrub the bathroom toilet you know, bathroom toilet with your, with your own toothbrush. You know, things like that. Just because you have the use of authority doesn't mean you should use that authority. Having same, same, the same token towards that, as a pastor, there's authority that I have within the church. But there's also, just because I have the authority doesn't mean it's appropriate to use that authority all the time. There's times to defer that authority. Who had all the authority? Christ. He had all authority in heaven and earth, right? But he also, having full authority, relinquished some of that authority back to the Father. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna have the Father handle this. I'm not handling this, because Christ, in his humanity and flesh and in, in physical form, understood it would be it would, it would, leave it for the judgment, leave it for God, and not on this physical thing. There are some things that he deferred, that he put off until a later time. And if God defers His anger, why don't we defer ours? If God defers judgment, why don't we defer judgment? If God defers justice, why don't we defer justice? If God, in, you know, in, you know, brings in extra mercy, why don't we use extra mercy? See, just because you have the authority, just because you have the power, doesn't mean you're supposed to always use that power. Okay, it's like you know, you know, you, you know parents know this, and you will learn this growing up, guys. When you have kids, you understand this, but you don't. Just because you can spank the kid for doing wrong doesn't mean you always have to spank the kid for doing wrong. Spanking the kid is not always the first instance. Sometimes, you, spanking is the last resort, not always the first, the first choice. And you have that power to spank the kid. You got that. You got that authority to, to you know, to lay hands on the kid. But it's not always the best choice. Sometimes you got to defer that anger. You got to defer that, that, uh, that power, and let it kind of ride out and let. Let, let things kind of play out and see what happens. I'll also say this. It's not always right to do that. Sometimes when you coddle someone, they just continue in the sin. Sometimes you got to come down hard and swift. But that's where balance and maturity comes in to understand the difference. Number three, verse, you find in verse number 24 through 45, you see that there is an accurate use of authority. Not only was there a valuable use or appropriate use, but there's even an accurate use. Because the scribes and the Pharisees they accused Christ of having authority, but they but they attributed it to that of Satan. And they, they attributed it to that of Satan. Look what it says in verse number uh, 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Belzebub, the prince of the devils. This guy's casting out devils through Satan. That Satan is casting out de- demons. That Satan is casting out devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Hey, America, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Right? And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan can cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then, um, how shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by bills, but cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except you first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? So he he says in this passage going through, he's like, look at Satan cast can't cast out Satan, but God's power was misidentified by spiritually blinded people as being Satan's power. And you find that going through all the time. It was not, they, they had a, they they attributed what Christ was doing to that of Satan. It was not an accurate use of authority, or it wasn't accurate. They were not using accurate uses of authority because they were using faulty authority thinking it was for God. So they were literally blaspheming at every turn because they used something of Satan and they claimed it to that of God, or they claimed that of power of being of God, and it was really the power of Satan. And they mixed they mixed them up all the time. And Christ, by like Christ, points that out in verse number thirty one: that all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven shall not be forgiven unto men. So he's saying, hey, if you're if you're attributing that of God to being that of Satan, that's blasphemy. And if you attribute that of Satan to being that of God, that's blasphemy. It's misappropriation of authority. And that's that is, is what he was, that's what um that's what he was talking about in this passage. When you think about the power that God has, only God alone has this power to cast out devils. The devil's not going to cast out devils. That makes sense, right? The devil's not going to cast out devils. So only God has the power to forgive sins. Only, only the power of God can 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 be given. Only God can give the power to forgive sins, and that's why we find that we have the power to forgive sins and to remit sins. It says in Matthew chapter 16, right? So the sins that you remit, they're remitted to them again. The sins that you forgive, they're forgiven in them again. What you loose in heaven, what you loose on earth, is loosed in heaven. The things that you bind on earth is bound in heaven. We as a church, we as a people, have the power to forgive. When people sin against us, we have that power to forgive. But even discerning man's hearts, even being able to discern man's hearts, that's reserved to God and God alone. Only God can search the heart and intents of man. So on Twitter, there's this guy. Um, you remember the guy back in Mississippi, the um, Pastor Hamilton? He had the police called on him in the park because he had church in the parking lot. And they had like, I don't know, seven or eight police cars swarming the parking lot on a Thursday night. It was back during the whole pandemic thing, earlier in the pandemic. And he was just like, whoa. This is church. gonna he like blew up about it. And, this, and the mayor was all in their face about it. And it got national news. Anyways, he put, on, he put on Twitter yesterday, he put on there something about that he's thankful that he has the word of God in English right there found in the King James Bible. Nothing he said was diminishing or tearing down anybody else's faith. He was just thanking God that we have the Bible in English and the King James Version. This guy, this other guy got on there and started mocking and questioning and beriding and belittling. And I was like, this guy's off the charts. I was like, you're okay with saying, thank God I've got the Bible in Greek and Hebrew, but don't ever say we have it in in the English version. In English. And the guy's like, oh, I didn't say that. I'm like, what what is your problem? Why did you have such a hard time that Pastor Hamilton would say, hey, we have the word of God in English. It's right here in the King James Bible. Nothing, nothing was like, bashing anybody. It was just thanking God for the King James Bible. And this guy was going at it, and he started saying, well, I could read his thoughts. This other guy was saying, I could read his thoughts, I'm reading Pastor Hamilton's thoughts. Like, you can't read anything. You can't even read a sentence and determine a sentence, much less anything else. And this guy was going all at it. But that's what happens when people think they have authority that they can read people's thoughts. Well, I know what you're thinking. I can, I can read your intent. Well, no, you can't. No, you can't. You can't read a person's thoughts. Who do you think you are? Some kind of psychic? You can't read what someone's mind is, what someone's thinking. You don't know what what their thought pattern was. You don't know what's going on with that. But only God has that ability to read someone's heart. Lastly, in verse number 46 through the rest of the chapter, 46 through 50, you see Christ is there and he's teaching in their synagogues. And he's in the synagogue and he's teaching and he's sharing. And the Bible says that, the Bible says that, um, verse 46, it says that his family, his, his mother and his brethren, stood without desiring to speak with him. And it says that in one saith unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them, and, but he answered unto them and told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? Christ wasn't, didn't get amnesia, didn't know who this family was. He was saying, look, just look. That's not my family. That's not the people I'm interested in right now. And he points out and he says here, Behold my mother and my brethren. Talking to the disciples. In verse number 50, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my mother and sister and mother. Right? My brother, my sister, and my mother. Right? So he's saying, hey, look at this. This is my family. I want to talk about this. There's an affectionate use of authority. The authority that God gives the church is different than the authority that God gives a family. When you think about a family, you kind of, you didn't choose your family. Your family didn't really choose you. It came by blood. You know what I mean? It was like, it, it was born unto you. But I want to say this, I and mean, we can understand this with our church, because we have a vast difference of different people in the area, but in, especially in our, in our church, we don't have like one main family. We kind of have splinters everywhere. But basically this, blood is not as thick as bond. You know, blood, you know, blood runs thicker than water. We've heard that before, right? But blood is not as thick as bond. The bond that holds us together in peace, the bond that holds us together, the fact that we prefer ourselves here above our family. A lot of ways we do, don't we? Hey, you got family, you have family gatherings on Sunday. You know what? Most of the time you're at church and you kind of go out there or you're, you know, you fit family time in the best you can. But if you had your preference, be at a family event or be at church, where would you rather be? You'd rather be at church. Especially with extended family, grandpa, grandma, aunts, uncles, Florida, I would rather be here. <laughs> but, but having willful relationships, they trump forced or oblig or obli- obligatory obligatory relationship. That's that's my word. Obligatory. So when we have a willful relationship that we willingly have a relationship with one another, that we willingly come to the church, that we willingly would choose Our church members above family, above blood relatives. That says something more. That's authority that God gives the church, that we understand the power that God gave the local church. And we would rather be tied to that, to our own family. Doesn't mean that we hate our family, we don't want to be around them, that we despise them, we don't ever want to be associated with them. But we understand that whosoever, you know, if a man does not hate his father, his mother, his sister, his brother, he cannot be my disciple. But yet, you look around the room today, and on Wednesday night, you, you have chosen to identify yourself with a group of believers, willingly. And that speaks more of your, of your willingness to be one of Christ's disciples than just to stay home and be around the family, watching TV, dinner, family dinner, whatever nonsense goes with it. But the church family, against that of blood relatives, and I'm not bashing church family members. I'm not. I thank God for my family members. But at the end of the day, if I had to spend a week with my family on either side or spend a week with the church, I'm spending a week with the church. And Christ identifies that. But it was an affectionate use of authority. He gets up and he says, and he didn't do it disrespectfully, my mom's dead to me, yo. (laughs) Mom, get out of here. And always, always his attitude towards it, his attitude was, who is my mother? Who are my brethren? The ones that do the work of God. I do the work of my father. They're my brethren. They're my family. That was an affectionate use of authority. That he he could have, he, he honored his mother. He honored his mother, and even at his death on the cross, he cared about the life of his mother. He cared about the future of his mother. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. Looking at John. I believe he looked at John at an instant. Son, you know, father, mother, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And he was like, look, so you're going to take care of my mom from here on out. That's pretty powerful that he would entrust a, he would entrust someone to take care of his mom. It wasn't just a nursing home, you know. It was like someone who actually took care of his mom. But you find that affectionate use of authority that he was willing to, even though he respected his mother and he loved his mother, he chose his disciples over his family because they were his family. They were his. They were his family through 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 bond, not through physical blood. And isn't that what Christ, isn't that what we had a pr- the promise of God towards that same thing? And in John chapter 1, he came into his own, and his own received him not, but, to his, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of flesh, nor of blood, nor the will of man, but of the will of God. The willing bond that Christ had towards the church, and the church has towards the, towards the people of God, That's a bond that cannot be separated. That is the mystery of Christ and the church. That bond, that affectionate authority that he had, and we can can see it manifested in these passages. So four things. We find Christ's authority being available, being appropriate, being accurate in his use, but also his affectionate. He didn't use authority with with disdain. He used his authority distinguished. There's a difference towards that. You can have all the authority and don't use it distinguishable. That's not. If, if a trumpet gives an uncertain sound, what is, What shall the righteous do? So make sure we when we use our authority, when we exercise authority, make sure we're doing it with dis, distinguished, and it's dis, you know make sure it's distinguished and not just out of derision, out of out of disdain. So that's all I've got for tonight. We'll take time in prayer and ask God.